We are in chapter 18. Praise the Lord Jesus. The Gospel of John, chapter 18. When you got it, say so. so. And the word of the Lord says, it says, When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met, met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priest, and Pharisees came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he, therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke, of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword in, into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Lord, we thank you for your word today, Lord God. We thank you for your presence that is in this place, Lord God. We thank you for your goodness and your kindness, Lord Jesus. And we just honor you today, Lord, for all that you are doing in our hearts. And Lord, we pray this morning that you would speak to us, Lord God, that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church. And we pray, Lord God, that we would not just be hearers of your word, but that we would be faithful respondents and doers of your word. Father, may you be glorified in these next few moments as we are looking into the scriptures. May you illuminate our hearts, Lord God, and bring change to our lives. In Jesus' good name, someone said? Amen. May be seated in the presence of the Lord. So if you don't have an outline, just raise your hand really quickly. I want to make sure that everybody has an outline, has an opportunity to take notes. As I've shared before, um, these outlines are good for two, for a couple of reasons. Um, one, the main one is you can follow along with me. You can answer some questions that are there in the outline. It's helpful for you. You can follow along in the intro. And then also the second reason why it's important is because we used to utilize these outlines to have our connect life groups and we would discuss the sermons, but we no longer, we're not doing that right now. And so what you can do is you can utilize these sermons in order for you to be able to help disciple or help someone else grow in their faith. And so I encourage you to take notes. I know that um, for me, I have a decent memory, but I still can't memorize every single thing that I hear. And sometimes it helps me when I write it down. Amen. All right, so in your outline, you'll follow along with me here. We're continuing on in our series, The Real Jesus. And I was looking at my preaching calendar, and I noticed that, including today, we only have five Sundays left to the end of the year. Is that crazy or what? That is it. Five Sundays and we're done, and we will be through the Gospel of John. And so it's been a, for me, it's been a great journey to be able to go through this book of the Bible and look at who Jesus is. And so in your outline here, it says, as we continue in the Gospel of John, we are brought into the worst night of Jesus' life thus far. This night, he will be betrayed, falsely accused, denied, found innocent, and sentenced to an unwarranted death by crucifixion. 
No tragedy on earth is as significant as the one we will witness over the next few weeks. The righteous, holy, perfect son of God will atone for our sins, willingly purchasing our eternal life with his life. And so we see here, as we're looking in these gospels, like I told you, we went through the first, the first half there, and Jesus is teaching publicly. He's proclaiming and declaring that he is God the Son. He's making it clear through signs. He's making it clear through his own declarations. There's no question about who he is. He goes from the public sphere to the private sphere with his disciples, and when he's with his disciples, he's there. He communicates to them some beautiful things. He shows them the example of service, and then he goes, and last week we talked about it, and he does this prayer. Did anybody memorize the prayer? I know you ain't going to raise your hand and be like, Bishop's going to call you up here. No, no, I'm not going to call you up here. But that prayer in John chapter 17, that great high priestly prayer of Jesus, the real Lord's prayer, right? He prays this prayer. He prays for himself. He prays for his disciples and he prays for us. And so now after all of that is being said and done, it's time for Jesus to experience his betrayal. It's time for Jesus to undergo this trial. And so today I want to talk to you about a, a message I've entitled, Trial Begins. Because we're going to begin to see or we're going to start to see the beginning of this trial in Jesus' life. And so when we, what we're going to see is that Jesus leaves us a great example. And this is in your outline. He leaves us a great example to follow when, not if, our faith is put to trial as we seek to fulfill the will of the Father. Are you hearing me? It's not, it's not if your, your, your faith is going to be tried. It is when your faith is going to be tried. I'll say it like this. This is the big idea for this morning. And so you can write this down. We will never fulfill the will of God in our lives without a trial of faith. We will never fulfill the will of God in our lives without a trial of faith. And I say a trial, but it may be many trials. It may be many times. When you look at the life of Jesus, he was tried where? The first time he was tried in the wilderness, he was tested. That was the first time that we see him being tested. We see him being tested throughout his entire ministry. And so he was continuously being tried. And then he comes to the end. And we know that in, in the other gospels, it records where he's praying to his father three times. And he says, Lord, if you can remove this cup from me, please do so. But not my will your will be done. And so the reality is none of us should feel like we're any better than Jesus. I'm just saying, right? If Jesus had to go through some trials, so are we going to have to go through some trials and we are going to have to experience this in order for us to fulfill the will of God, in order for us to grow in our relationship with Jesus. And so I don't know where you're sitting at, but I know that one of the things that, um, is, is, is a reality is that some of us are coming out of trials. Some of us are in the midst of trials and some of us, I hate to tell you, are on your way to a trial. I'm just saying, I, 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 know, I, I know you want to be encouraged this morning, right? All, all I'm saying, all I can say is this, is that the trial is only a season. That doesn't have to be your life, amen? That's the encouragement. And, and the even greater encouragement is that no matter how long the trial is, guess who never leaves you nor forsakes you? It is your God. He continues with you through everything that you will go through. And so he doesn't leave you by yourself to take this test alone, but he empowers us in order for us to make sure that we go through this test and that our faith comes out on the other side, shining brightly and brilliantly, bringing glory and honor to Jesus. And so this morning, as we look at this text, I want you to repeat this after me. This is the first thing. Say, by grace, by grace we, can we can confront the trials, the trials of our faith. By grace, we can confront the trials of our faith. And so we see here in verses 1 through 11, we see where Jesus is betrayed. We see that Jesus is going to be arrested here. And so Jesus shows us how to confront trials of our faith, especially when they are going to involve and can affect others. And it is that you go first. Somebody say amen to that. 
You don't wait for someone else to deal with your trial. You don't wait for someone else to deal with your situation. You know, I think about it like this. When we're going through different trials in our lives, you know, some of us, we're good at this. I'm very bad at this. But some of us are really good at something called compartmentalizing. In other words, you know, you go to work and you have all kind of issues that go on in your day and, you know, things are just crazy at work, situations are going on. And when you, when you leave work, it's like you close that door behind you. When you got into your car, it's like work stood there. And then you come home and no one ever knows what you're going through, right? And then you come to the house and, you know, everything is all good there. And then you go from your house. You could be going through trials at home. And when you go to work, you don't bring that to work, right? Some people are really good at that. Like I said, I'm terrible. Hello, somebody. Right? I'm one of those guys that, you, look, you could tell when something is bothering me, and I may not get all into my business and all that kind of stuff, but you can tell there's something that, you know, there's a change in my, my, my the way that I feel, the smile on my face. I don't smile a lot, but anyway, you know, that, that smile that's there once in a while is not even existent. You know, so ultimately, you know, you can tell, right? But see, here's the thing. When we're going through trials in our lives, Jesus is going through this trial. And you will notice that the scripture says that he knew in, the, in, in, the, in these first verses, he says that he knew everything that was going to happen to him. And as soon as his betrayer came, as soon as all of these people came to come to bring him to this trial, Jesus doesn't hide behind his disciples, but he goes out there first and he confronts the trial. And he says, look, he says, who are you looking for? In other words, don't mistake one of them for the one that needs to go through this, right? And see, so here's the thing for us. We have to realize that we all go through different situations, right? We, we, we all experience trials in different ways. But can I ask you a question? I want you to think about this because this, this is what I thought about. I thought about how many of our family members suffer because of the trials that we're going through. Because of the hardships that we're going through, because of the stuff that God is trying to work out in our lives, and we bring that to them. We bring that to our name. We bring that into the home, and then all of a sudden, we're lashing out at them instead of allowing God to work on us. You see, compartmentalization is not always bad. Are you hearing me? Because there's sometimes you got to get into that compartment with your God and you got to wrestle with him about some stuff and you need to sit there and pray and press in there and say, God, deal with my heart. I'm going through this trial of faith. I'm going through this situation. You know how you can tell when a trial of faith is really affecting you? It's when you get around folks and you can't talk about or think about anything else except that thing. When you get around people, you even try, listen, I, listen I've been there, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to myself, okay? I've been there where I have thought about, okay, I'm going to be around certain people and I'm going to make sure that I'm not going to talk about this thing. I'm going to make sure I'm not going to bring it up. Halfway through my time with them, I find myself talking about this thing over and over and over and over. And no matter what, it's flowing out of my, my mouth. Why? Because I'm going through a trial of my faith. See, there's the positive side of the compartmentalization. The negative side of it is that some of us just compartmentalize and we put it over here. And then what happens is we explode at some point in the wrong place because we never dealt with it. We just put it away. Are you here? And so it's important for us to really consider because we need to be like Jesus in the trials of our lives. Listen, God wants to deal with us as a body. He wants to deal with us as families, but he also deals with us as individuals. And as individuals, we have to make sure that we're not causing others to suffer when we're, when we're going through the trials of our faith. See, too many times we allow our personal trials of faith to affect others, especially the ones closest to us, rather than allowing the Lord to deal with us personally. Now, let me say it like this. We cannot deal with the trials of our faith in the flesh. What do I mean? See, there's two people here that we see clearly in this story that their faith is being tried. Obviously, the faith of Jesus is being tried, but there's another guy by the name of Peter. And I want you to know Peter's a representative of all of us. See, we like to bust Peter's chops, right? 
We like to talk about Peter and all the crazy stuff he does, right? Like, for example, here, you know, Peter goes and he does what? He tried, look, you guys got to think about this. Peter wasn't trying to cut the guy's ear off. He was trying to cut his head off. You understand what I'm saying? It wasn't like he was doing chopping like this. He was chopping, and I'm assuming Malchus went like that, and he missed his, and he just got his ear, okay? Peter was like drawing the sword. He's ready to go to blows, because what? Because Peter just said earlier on, he's like, Jesus, I will die with you. And so Peter is like saying, yo, I'm going to show you what's up. I'm just saying. That's, a, that's how he, he was like, I'm going to show you that I meant what I said. I'm, a, I'm ready to die. So in front of now, I want you to think about this picture because half of us, listen, if we were just real, half of us in this place, we wouldn't have done what Peter did. We would have said, oh, man, I can't do this right now. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not all in like that. Peter was all in. Are y'all hearing me? He was all in. Peter was like, I told you I would die for you. And so in the face of this mob, in the face of people, it said they had lanterns. It said they had, they had weapons, okay? These, I mean, this is a mob of people, y'all. Listen, I used to gangbang a long time ago. And I'm going to tell you something. I know what it's like to be looking at a mob of people that you're like, man, I don't want to fight them. Hello, right? It's a, it's, it's a heart check. And what this guy does is he has this heart check. He has this moment. And you know what Peter does? He doesn't, pull it, he doesn't run away. He pulls his sword out, and he goes to chop someone's head off and say, yo, Jesus, I'm going to die with you. That's what he does. But can I tell you something? He was in the flesh. Sounds brave, but he was in the flesh. He was dealing with his trial of faith in the flesh. Remember when Jesus told him earlier on? Remember when, he, when, they, when Jesus was asking him? He asked him, who do men say that I am, right? And then they said, you know, some say John the Baptist. Some say one of the prophets. You know, some say Elijah. And he's like, okay, but who do you say that I am? And he says, you are the son of God and, and you know, the holy one of the Lord. Okay, so when he says all of that, and then you remember what happens right afterwards? At one moment, he, Peter's getting praised because of what? Hey, man, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And then he's like, and so the son of man is going to die and suffer. And then Jesus Jesus takes Jesus to the side and he's like, never, never, you're never going to suffer. And so what happens at that moment, he tells him what? Get behind me, Satan. And so Peter never grasped the reality that Jesus had to die. He never got the point that Jesus had. As a matter of fact, Peter, think about this. He was trying to be Jesus' savior. Are you hearing me? I'm going to save you, Jesus. Can I tell you something, y'all? Jesus doesn't need us to save him. And one of the other gospels in this, in this account, Jesus is like, do you not know I could have called 12 legions of angels if, if I wasn't going to die? But I have to die, right? And so the ultimate thing here is that we see Jesus shows us that we need to deal with things not in the flesh. We need to deal with our trials the right way. And so my question to you is, what is it that you do? How do you deal with your trials? Is it a nasty mouth? Is that how you deal with your trials? Is it alcohol? Is that how you deal with your trials? Is it gluttony? Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Listen, because a lot of times, you know, we talk about all these other sins and stuff like that, but, you know, gluttony is a sin. Hello? Right. Mm -hmm. I know we don't want to hear that stuff. Glory to God. <laughs> Praise the name of Jesus. Listen, how is it that you deal with your trials of faith. We all deal with trials of faith different ways. The ultimate thing is this, and this is what I want you to get when you think about dealing with this trial of faith. Look at verse 11. Jesus says, so, so Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? See, here's the thing. Trials of faith must be dealt with by grace and in meekness, leaving no room for confusion as to whom we are living for. 
See, when I go through a trial of faith, I need to make sure that I am operating in a way that doesn't seem like I'm glorifying myself, that doesn't seem like it's all about me, that doesn't seem like it's all about how I feel. It's, it's, it's not about me. Trials of faith are about what? They're about bringing glory to God. They're about us growing in our trust and our dependence on who God is. And so we don't deal with trials of faith in the flesh because then what do we do? We bring confusion because here's the thing you got to realize. Other people are watching us as our faith is being tested. Are you here? Other people are looking at us. And if I deal with my trials of faith, for example, if you're at work and your boss is the vessel of trial of faith. I know none of you have this, right? If your boss is that vessel that the Lord is using to try your faith and you decide that you are going to the break room with all of your compadres, hello somebody, your co-workers, and you're going to hang out and you're going to badmouth your boss, you know what you're doing? You are dealing with your trial of faith in the flesh and you are bringing dishonor and you are not bringing glory to God. Are you here? You see, when I'm going through this trial of faith, in your home, in your marriage, right, it's the same thing. When I'm going through this trial of faith, you know, in marriages, sometimes that happens. Sometimes. Hello, somebody. Sometimes, right? Sometimes. And so my trial of faith is on display for who? It's on display for our children. Hello. It's on display for our children to see. And so we need to make sure that when we're going through our trial of faith that we do what? We don't deal with it in the flesh. Second thing, repeat this after me. Say, we must recognize... Our faith is not the only faith being tried. We must recognize our faith is not the only faith being tried. Let's read from verses 12 to verse 23. It says, And the detachment of troops and the captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. And they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Now, it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Now, that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, you are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servant and the officers who had made a fire of coals stood there, for it was cold and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. The high priest then asked Jesus about this disciple, about his disciples and his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always meet. And in secret, I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I, what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand saying, do you answer the high priest like that? Jesus answered him, if I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? And Annas, the high priest, and Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. We must recognize our faith is not the only faith being tried. 
what we find here is we see two things. Like I said, you see Jesus being tried on trial, and you see, and you see Peter, the other one who is, being, who is being tried as well, and his faith is being tested. Notice what it does. It goes from one picture. It shows you what's happening with Peter. shows you where Peter is, warming himself. It shows you how Peter is being questioned. His faith is being put on the test. And they're asking him a question. And he, and he goes ahead and he denies Jesus one time. He says no, that he doesn't know him already. And he continues warm, warming himself, acting like nothing is going on. It's crazy because just a few moments ago, the guy was trying to chop someone's head off. And now he's saying, I don't know him. And see, that's how, how that, isn't that how we are sometimes? You know, we talked about Sister Linda, she, she texted me, I think, and, I, and she, probably, she probably said this on the phone call, but we were talking about our 40 days of prayer. And we first started our 40 days of prayer. I know that, you know, some people were like gung-ho, on fire, like, yeah, you know, the first week, the first two weeks. And then, you know, sometimes what happens is all of a sudden you start to dwindle, right? Your passion, you know, I won't make that call. I'm not going to get on the phone. And listen, I'm not trying to condemn anyone. I'm not keeping notes on who's on the phone or not. That's all up to you. But here's the thing. What happens to us is sometimes we are passionate we are all in we are going all out but then all of a sudden things happen that cause us to be like totally the opposite like we're bipolar spiritually hello there's no medication for that it's called repentance that's what you got to do right it's called recognizing when you have been wrong right recognizing when you're doing something that doesn't bring glory and honor to god and so what we find here is jesus has been betrayed he's been arrested willingly subjecting himself to the gracious will of god and the hateful will of man at the same time, the faith of his disciples is being put to the test. See, here's the thing. It's easy for us to think we are alone in the midst of the trials of our faith, but we can rest assured that others are being tried as well. We must be sure that we don't minimize another person's trial of faith. Are you hearing me? You see, when I'm going through something, and this is the reason why it's so important that when I'm going through a trial of faith, when I'm going through a situation in my life, that I don't just get stuck in my situation. Because then what I start thinking is, I am the only person whose faith is being tested. We start thinking that we're the only one who's trying to stand for righteousness. We start thinking we're the only one. And then what we start to do is we start to, we, we, we start to measure our test against someone else's test. And we start to think, man, their test ain't nothing, man. What they're going through is nothing. You know, what they're experiencing is nothing. You know, when you look, Pastor Aldo, he shared a couple of weeks ago when he was preaching, he shared about their trial of faith with the, with the miscarriage of their baby. And it's easy for, you know, someone to go through something hard and devastating such as that to look at someone else who's going through a different situation that doesn't seem as big and to say, man, they ain't going through nothing. You look at this story here and you look at what? You look at Peter and you look at Jesus. Now, 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 listen, now, let's just be real for a moment. Whose trial of faith do you think was greater at this moment in reality? Jesus is about to be crucified. I'm going to answer the question for you. He's about to die for our faith, okay? He's about to die for our salvation. And so I think his test was probably bigger when you look at the weight, the weight scale, right? I'm just saying, right? Peter was over here being asked if he knew Jesus. He might have died, but it wasn't going to be the same death that Jesus was going to die. So ultimately, the thing is this, is that they were both going through a trial of faith. But can I tell you something that Jesus doesn't do? Jesus doesn't minimize Peter's trial of faith. Jesus, does. as a matter of fact, you're going to see as we look at Jesus on the cross, he never thinks about himself in the midst of his trial the way that we would. Listen, I promise you, if I'm hanging on a cross, I'm not saying, Father, forgive them. I'm saying, Father, kill them. Father, look at the ones that nailed me to this thing and make sure you get them the hardest. I mean, I'm just saying, like disease, like sin. I mean, I'm not praying for you. I'm not asking God bless you and all that kind of stuff. Thinking about, I'm not, listen, my mom is beautiful. She's here today. I'm not thinking about, hey, who's going to take care of my mom? I'm hanging on a cross. Hello, somebody. Right? 
And so you look at Jesus, and Jesus demonstrates this selflessness. Prior to this, you know, when Peter opens his mouth and says, I'll die for you, right? And I want you to know, in one of the other Gospels, you can look it up for yourself. I believe it's in Matthew 26, starting at around verse 30. When you read that there, I want you to know that when Peter opens his mouth, it says all the other disciples did too. It doesn't say it was just Peter. When you read the story, I was reading as, I, as I'm going through the Gospels, and I'm reading this, and I'm like, wow, man. It says, and so did all the other disciples. They were all saying, we'll die for you. They were all saying this is just so we get a picture of Peter because he's the one that tried to chop someone's head off. Hello. He was the only one that was bold enough to say, yo, I'm going to stick by my words here. But when he said that to Jesus, Jesus comforted him. And what did he do? How did he comfort him? Well, the way that he comforted him was he prepared him for the blow to his faith that he was about to receive. What he did was he said, listen, he said, you'll die for me? He said, nah, man. He said, before, this crow, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Peter's like, no, never. That's what he's thinking in his head. But you know what? When it happened, although we're going to see that Peter weeps and he weeps bitterly, there was still God preparing him for that because what? Jesus didn't minimize the trial of his faith. I want to say this as an aside. This doesn't really necessarily go in here um, completely, but I, I want you to look at something that Jesus does. Because for us, when you're going through trial of faith, it's about your character that's being tested. And I want you to notice what Jesus does here in verse 22. He says, and when he had said these things, one of the, off, of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand saying, do you answer the high priest like that? Jesus answered him, if I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil, but if well, why do you strike me? And see, here's what I want you to get. It is important for us to realize something when we are going through trials of faith, and it is that we need to know the difference between defending ourselves unnecessarily and making sure that we call people out for unrighteous behavior. Are you hearing me? There's two different things. Jesus is not defending himself here. What Jesus is saying is you're, calling, you're, you're hitting me, accusing me of doing something sinful. Remember, Jesus is the sinless lamb of God. If he sins here, if he, does, if he did something that was against the law, which is the only reason why this officer should have struck him, then guess what? He can't be the blameless, sinless lamb. Amen? And so Jesus is making it clear, look, you need to show me my sin. You need to show me where I am in error. He's not trying to defend himself. He's not trying to, you know, fight, fight, fight his own battle. Jesus is still walking in meekness. And listen, when we're going through different trials of our faith, it's important that we do care about our testimony. Amen? It's important that we do walk around. Like I said, people are looking at you anyway, but it's important that we communicate and that we don't let people just trample all over us because we're going through a trial of faith. Amen? All right, the third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, trials of faith must be conquered personally. Trials of faith must be conquered personally. Let's read verse 25 here. Verse 25 says, Now Simon Peter stood and warmed, and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servant girls, that's the second denial, one of the servant girls of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, said, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately a rooster crowed. So Jesus is going through his trial of faith. Jesus, from this point on, he's going to be by himself, right? It's going to be all him, and the cross is going to be all him in this trial. This is the saddest moment for Peter. This is this one. The Gospel of Luke 22, you can write this down, and, and verse 61 and 62 says that Jesus turned and looked at Peter after his third denial, and then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, went out and wept, and he wept 
bitterly. This is the saddest moment. Look, this moment has to be the worst moment in Peter's entire life. He just tried to chop someone's head off. And other, other accounts of this story, it says the guy was calling curses upon himself, okay? He started cussing. He was denying. He was like, yo, I do not know him, right? He just, I mean, he was like, I don't know the man. He was making it crystal clear. And Jesus is obviously within view of him and is hearing what he's saying. And when he denies him this last time, Jesus looks to him and Peter's like, oh my goodness. I denied my best friend. I denied the one that loves me more than anyone else. I denied the one who, has, who, who is obviously going through this for me. See, I want you to get this. Here, here's what I, I want you to understand. I told this to Pastor Aldo earlier. We must realize that we are not a better friend than Jesus, so we should not expect better friends than Peter. Are you hearing me? We are not better friends than Jesus, so we should not expect better friends than Peter. Are you getting me? Jesus was the best friend. He was the, he was the friend of friends, right? And so why do I say that? Because people are going to let you down. Hello, somebody. People are going to abandon you. People are going to forget to call you. They're going to forget to text you. Hello, somebody. You're going to be going through something. They're going to be like, I didn't even know. And you're like, how on earth didn't you know? Because they didn't know. Those things happen. Listen, and what do you do with that? What, how, how do you deal with stuff like that? Just remember this quote. That's all you got to do. Just remember, hey, man, I'm not a better friend than Jesus, so I can't expect better friends than Peter. See, because here's the thing. Peter was a good friend. He loved Jesus. He's had a weak moment. Hello. He had a moment where he fell. He had a moment where he was like, man, I just can't handle the pressure right now. And so for us, it becomes the same situation that we realize is that, look, we, are gonna, we, we, have, to, we have to conquer stuff by ourselves, right, sometimes. Now, now, listen to me. This is why I bring this up. Jesus knew Peter would deny him. He even warned Peter to prepare him for the blow of the faith that, would, would, that, that, that he would deny him of what that was going to do to his faith. And so what we see is that Jesus knew this. Jesus loved him. Jesus still. And so what does that tell us that we're supposed to do? We're supposed to love our imperfect friends. Hello. We're supposed to love our imperfect family members. We're, and not supposed to just love them afar. Hello. Not supposed to just love them by words. Oh, yeah, I love him. No, you don't. You need to repent. I'm serious. Right? Acting like you really love somebody. You don't want to talk to them. Y'all love them. No, you don't. No, 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 no. That's not how love looks. And, 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 and we need to get that, right? Because here's what, here's what has to happen. You know why God, I'm going to tell you this. I say this often. You know why God leaves us in our imperfection? So that way we don't depend on each other for what we should be depending on God for. Are you hearing me? You see, the one thing that I realize is that, look, I try to be a good pastor. I try to be a good leader, but I can't answer every phone call. I can't reply to every text message. Y'all got like nine different ways to get at me, right? You can hit me on Facebook Messenger. You can text message me. I mean, they're, they're, you know, leave me voicemails. I, I mean, there's like a bunch of ways that you can, you can FaceTime. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of stuff that can happen, right? And so I obviously can't do everything, but you know who's always there for you? Jesus. You know who never forsakes you, who never leaves you, who never fails you? is Jesus. He's always there. And you know what? If I was always there for you, you know what I would be? I would be your functional savior. 
If your spouse was there for you every single moment, every single situation, and listen, my spouse is there for me at least 99% of those situations. But what I can tell you is if she was there every single one of them, then she would be my functional savior. If your parents were there for you every single situation, they would be your functional savior. Jesus needs to be the only savior in your life. See, trials of faith that we are entrusted with are meant to be conquered individually. Just as Jesus had to endure the remainder of the trial alone, the cross alone, so we must personally conquer our trials of faith by God's grace alone. Peter had to go through this situation. Peter had to experience what that denial felt like. He had to deal with that. Nobody else could comfort him. Can I tell you something? And anybody who's gone through a real trial of their faith, you know this. No matter how many words somebody speaks to you, no matter how many scriptures they give to you, no matter how many times they pray for you, no matter how many times someone tries to encourage you, until something clicks inside of your spirit, inside of your heart, that trial doesn't change. Are you here? No matter what. No, listen, they, they can come off the glory cloud. By, you know, I'm just saying, they could have came down from Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments for you, and it would have not changed your situation. Why? Because it is about you and you. Y'all got to forgive me. My voice is crazy today. But it is about you and your relationship with God. And God wants you to be dependent upon him and know that he really means that he's not going to leave you nor forsake you. Even... In the moments when you deny him. Even in the moments that you dishonor him. Even in the moments that you try to chop someone's head off. Hello, somebody. I know y'all be trying to chop people. I know. I know how y'all doing. Getting upset. I was talking to Sister Mabel earlier today. She said she's going to knock one of her, 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 her friends there. I'm like, Sister Mabel, just pray for her. Just love her. Right? Sister Mabel, she was just confessing sin. She's like, just pray for me, Pastor. <laughs> At the end of the day, here's the thing. Here's my question for you. How is your faith standing under the trial? How is your faith standing under the trial? And do you see God's grace in the trial of your life? I want you to watch this video, and then I'll come back up and wrap this up. This is for you. I think you'll find that everything in my life resume speaks for itself, but uh, you know, take your time. <laughs> I'm not perfect, but I believe my numerous good deeds would sway a positive outcome for me. Thank you. I was choir director and these solos for my church for over 27 years. And honey, we lifted up the name of Jesus in that house every single week. Woo! Hey, hey, at least we're here together. I think that means something tragic happened. Oh. You know, people come up to me and they ask me all the time, Pastor, what do you want to be remembered for? And I say, brother, I want to be known as a man who faithfully administered the Word of God. Amen. Yeah, I do think a theme you'll probably see in all that is mission trips. I mean, you know the drill. We go, we serve, we love on a bunch of folks and try to bring peeps to the kingdom. I've led a woman's Bible study. 
I raised four somewhat godly children, and I remained faithful to my husband for 30 years, which is... I mean, have you met my husband? I guess the main thing is, is that I'm a... I'm a modern-day worship leader. That's me dropping the mic. Oh, and I had over 20,000 people listen and be blessed by my album, Destiny. I'm coming for you. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I guess our biggest qualification to entering uh, would be our puppetry, which is our puppet ministry that we've been doing for about 30 years. 10 years. 10 years? He's the voice guy, and I focus on the creation of the puppets themselves. And what she does is just as important as what he does. <laughs> Not by a long shot. <laughs> His puppets like to argue. They tease each other. Brother Peter, I humbly submit to you that our church attendance was on the rise, lives were being rededicated, and souls were being won. It's all right there on the resume in front of you. Glory to God, amen, hallelujah, amen. In conclusion, I think you have every detail of what I've done, whose lives I've changed, and how my good works have made a huge impact for Jesus. So, to be clear, you want me to use this? Yes, I do. That's my resume. <laughs> it should all be there, unless I'm forgetting something, which I definitely am. Where's yours? I have it right here. But ultimately, I just want to say that I'm with him. encouraging because I know when we look at trials of faith we can think man I'm a failure and I'm falling short and can I tell you we're all in the same boat pretty much hello we all fall short but the beauty of it is that it's not about our resume it's not about how perfect we are under trial it's about where our faith really is and our faith has to be in Jesus and so the most important question that we have to ask ourselves because you know what we're gonna see Peter's gonna be restored and his relationship with God because of what because of the grace of God Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Before I pray, I just want to encourage you. Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, whatever trial of your faith that you may be experiencing right now, I want you to just know that God is with you. And, I, and I'm encouraging you to continue to fight that good fight. Don't give up. Don't give in to the pressures. God's grace is sufficient. And if you feel like you failed and you're failing in this trial, you're failing in this situation, Trust the Savior who died for you. Trust the Savior who gave his life for you. And if you're in this place and you don't know Jesus and he is not the Savior of your life, what we're talking about here is that Jesus came to this earth to die for sinners like you and I so that way we could have life and life eternal so we wouldn't have to experience separation from God for all of eternity, but that we could put our faith and our hope in him. And so if you don't know him today, 
Today's the opportunity for you to trust him with your life. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you. And we humble ourselves before you this afternoon, Lord God. We thank you because we realize that it is your grace, it is your goodness, it is your kindness toward us, Lord God, that we trust in. Father, we thank you because of all that you have done for us. We thank you because of everything that you are doing, Lord God, in our midst and in our lives. And I just pray for my brothers and my sisters in this place, Lord God, that may be going through trials of their faith right now, are experiencing difficulty, Lord God. I lift them unto you right now in the great and glorious name of Jesus. And I pray, Lord God, that you would fill them with your power, that you would fill them with your might. And Lord God, that you would just empower them to serve you faithfully, my God, even in the midst of trial. I pray for those that feel like they failed in the midst of testing and trial of their faith. Lord God, build them up today and strengthen them and encourage them, my God. And I pray for those that are in this place, Lord God, that haven't made a commitment to you, that are not walking with you, Lord God, that haven't surrendered their life, Lord. I pray that today that they would trust you with their life, Lord God. I pray that today that they would call upon you and ask you for forgiveness of sin, my God, that they would call upon you, Lord God, and receive your grace and your, and, and your redemption, Lord God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to walk worthy of the calling of God upon our lives. Lord, we pray this all in Jesus' great name. Someone said, Amen. come on, give God a hand of praise. He's worthy. Really quickly, as Pastor Chad is coming up, um, I asked the, the media team to pull up our